On this week's episode of Peak Too Early, the boys talk about the world athletic decision to ban the Nike Alpha Flies. We have an interview with Olympic trials qualifier, Lindy Jones. We talk about why the Waste Management Golf Tournament is the purest event in the sport of running. And then we get some hype going for the Wanamaker Mile this weekend. Let's get into it. This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing. Featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I am joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm doing good. I'm feeling great. I, uh... I don't know if you guys could tell, but I just got back from the gym after my run. I was, uh, cool. you know, lifting some some big weights. No, but seriously, like I, when I'm at the gym, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I kind of just like meander from machine to machine, and halfway through, I ask myself the same question. I'm like, what am I doing here? All this stuff that I'm doing, I could just do in my living room because I just do push-ups and like core and stuff. <laughs> so it's it's really just a it's a weird experience every time I go to the gym. That's a classic runner mentality. Yeah, you just get like, like you want to work. So like you go around from, from like machine to machine, some free weights, and you're like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing right now. You know, <laughs> like, like I, I should just be doing push-ups and sit-ups. The key is just to do something, though. Then you kind of look like you know what you're doing. Because yeah. <laughs> it's not important if you know what you're doing. It's important if you look like you know what you're doing. So just, <laughs> just, just don't stand there looking at the mirror. Just keep moving. Fake it till you make it. And as always, at the House of Sav, fresh Fresh off another vacation, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing? It. Bonjour, mazami. Uh, all right, that's about it for my French. <laughs> yes, I am back in town, guys. I am holding in my hand uh, an extra Labatt Blue Light that oh. I had. Now, I'm not here to compare, you know, light beers or anything like that, but this stuff is delicious. This is like anytime overseas. Or at least going up north to Canada, you gotta get your hands on some Labatt Blue. I'm a big Labatt Blue fan. Um, I just what the hell are you I'm, I'm saying? I'm all in. I know. I don't know why I'm saying this. It's just coming out. It's just <laughs> Ma- so many damn people. Good, so. Many people call it the Miller Lite of Canada. You know. I would argue it's the Miller Lite of Canada. I don't think they sell <laughs> Miller Lite in Canada. That's definitely wrong. But I'm gonna say that. So when you are there, I'd highly recommend that you guys grab an ice cold, refreshing Labatt Blue Light. I think it's Labatt. I think they Labatt. What do you say? <laughs> but not, not the French important. say it one way, Definitely. the French Canadians right. say it another well, way. No, it's uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure our, our friends Lewis Kent and Gabe Gillioni are gonna appreciate that that uh, right. Labatt Blue shout out. Um, guys, before we get before we get the podcast rolling here, before we get into the running news, something needs to be addressed because I was going to bed. Let's say. I think it was last Thursday night, and just before I set my alarm and I put away my phone for the night, I just decided to open up open up Twitter real quick to see what was going on. And out of nowhere, from the from the clouds, one of our friends, Joe Rand, went on an epic tirade against myself and Mike, saying that you know putting up erroneous records, our our racing records against each other, out of absolutely nowhere, right? And he was calling me out, saying that I wouldn't show my face at the Super Sunday 5K in Lowell, Massachusetts. And you know what? I played right into it. I said, you know what? I can't make it. I'm heading down to Connecticut. I'm going to watch the Super Bowl with Mike. You know, it's just, I, it's not in the cards. But I snuck attack him. I showed up. And not only did I dominate Joe Rand, I also dominate Nate Weber as well. Just a, you know, classic situation of once you poke the bear. You know, you don't you don't want to poke the bear because he woke a sleeping giant. Like I am back training at full force right now because I'm just focused on beating Joe Rand at every single race he shows up at. <laughs> so I did see these tweets and um I mean I knew exactly what was going on as soon as I saw them because they came at a Thursday night, like pretty late on a Thursday night. And uh, I know Joe has this like one divey bar that he likes to hang out with. And I think he probably got a few Miller lights in his system <laughs> and just got a little liquid courage and just started <laughs> firing off some ridiculous tweets. I kind of love it, though. You know, we talk about we got to, 
you know, get a little hostility, get some some stuff worked up, get these races where you, people are talking a little bit of smack. So Joe's listening to the pod and he's, uh, you know, trying to take the advice and getting you going, Steve. Yeah, despite Joe getting his ass kicked in the race, I am still so team Joe Rand in this, <laughs> in this you know, interaction. I also think it's it's a really like telling, you know, personality trait, not just of you, Steve, but of the, the entire podcast. We are the type of people where if you just poke like that, there's no way it is not going to be a, like a ridiculous response. And I love your play of just the sneak attack, just showing up on the starting line on him um, and and just, you know, kicking his ass. So just well played all around. Well played, Joe, for the, the drunk tweets, if, you know, assuming they're drunk. Well played, Steve, on the, the surprise sneak attack on him. Yeah, no, I mean, even though he was coming after me, I love it. We talk about it all the time. We need some fiery competition out there. We need some rivalries. Joe's a, a loyal listener, so he played right into it. But, Joe, you mess with the bull, you're going get to get the horns. So The uh, the rivalry aspect, this is, a, this is a good, like, look in the mirror moment for us. We talk about how we want to see the pros, you know, have a little rivalry, get a little feisty out there, a little trash talk. We should probably bring we should be bringing that to our local 5Ks, right? Whenever we hop on a road race, we should either pick somebody, whether it's somebody we know, whether it's somebody we don't know, get in their face, talk a little shit, and then kick their ass. That's true. You got me wanting to start like a burner Twitter account and just start going at local 5K road race heroes all across New England. Guys, I have an idea. I have an idea because you know we it's have never a good thing. Oh no, it's a good thing. You're gonna <laughs> love this. You're gonna love this. We have a platform right here, right? And we have a, you know, we're 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 amassing a small group of followers that kind of listen to this this podcast regularly. What if we do a segment just for trash talk? What if we put together like a voicemail line and people can talk, call in and talk Ooh. trash about about people that they're going to be racing against, whether it's you know in college, you know, cross country on the track or the local five pay, five k. People can call in, talk <laughs> trash. And then tell their friends to listen to it. What do you think? I love that. We'll put it at the end of the show, and it'll just be the trash talk line. <laughs> yeah. Get some rivalries. I love this idea. Oh, man. I love we, it. Might, we may be able to quit the podcast game and just focus on this. This <laughs> is just, genius. Yeah. We should just, yeah, just scrap everything else we're doing for the podcast and just do this. I love it. Well, well my dream one day is to, like, be able to host an event that we – uh, market it like a boxing match like we've talked about in the past and right like you have your headliner we'll try and get a couple like big names out there to do it but then just have like all of the prelims be little rivalries like this right like one head-to-head matchups put people on a track forget about the stopwatch no time whatsoever just have people go head-to-head and I think this could be the budding uh, idea that gets us there we start these rivalries get people going next thing you know we're getting them on a track throwing some money on it having a great time I love this idea. We just we're revolutionizing that, revolutionizing the podcast game. I love it. So this is uh, the first time in a while that we've just kind of like riffed and not really had a plan, and we it's getting weird. It's getting wild. Idea. Yeah, <laughs> came up with a genius idea. But on that, we got a lot of running news to get into. So let's kick off the running news. All right. So our first piece of running news is World Athletics has deemed the Nike Alpha Flies illegal for competition. So they came out with standards. A shoe midsole cannot be thicker than 40 millimeters, and it cannot have more than one carbon plate. So the the Alpha Fly prototypes are illegal for competition, but we get to keep all the other all the other you know new nitro carbon plated shoes in play. The next percent is still in play. The four percent is still in play. What do you guys think of this? I think it means we're probably never going to have to talk about shoes again, right? The the, yeah. the line is drawn in the sand, and it's over, right? Everybody's happy, and everyone's just going to move forward with their life with these new shoes. So it's great. It's a good thing. It's a good day. Wow. That's a, that is a <laughs> looking at the world half full. So my first comment is this, is I know way too much about running shoes at this point. Like 40 millimeters, 36 millimeters. I, why do I care how big a sole is? The second thing, the plates – I was watching like some video of some guy explaining why you know one plate is is you know not as as good as two plates and then the, the, the height and it's like whatever I don't care. Um, the thing about it though is is this is this is the right move right this is you needed a line somewhere, but the vapor flies and everything up to the alpha flies are still going to be you know legal um, and the other shoe companies can't 
get anything like on the market fast enough for the Olympics is the my understanding because the shoe has to be available to everyone for at least four months prior yeah, to somebody prior using to it because you can't have so it. I think we're still going to be dealing with vapor ply talk all like throughout the summer Olympics well and not to mention Trent the alpha flies they are banned for the Olympics but they're not banned for the Olympic trials so you could see somebody yeah potentially run the Olympic trials in the alpha flies, even though you can't run in them on the Olympic stage. Um, but yeah, to your point, I mean, I, I guess companies could get it out. Oh, first of all, if I have to hear the word prototype one more time, I've heard the word prototype more times in the last week than I have in my entire life. But it's, yeah, this proto, there's no, no prototype shoes. So they have to be on the market for four months. So, I mean, technically you could. Let's, let's I, defer to the, to the, uh, to the podcast expert on this one. So this it. is best case scenario because if you go and you read my blog on our website, peaktooearly.com, not a big deal, go check it out. But I wrote, a, I wrote a blog saying, I don't care about the running shoe controversy and neither should you. And my whole point was that innovation in the running shoes is a great thing. It's something we absolutely want to do and we want to allow running shoe companies to do. I mean, if you go to a running store and you buy the cheapest running shoe there, it's significantly better than any technology available 20, 30, 40 years ago. So innovation is a good thing. What we needed was we needed hard and fast rules for the running shoe companies to work within. We needed guidelines. The biggest problem is that there was no guidelines and shoe companies couldn't figure out what they wanted to do. So World Athletics listened to my blog. They read my blog and they said, all right, well, this guy, Steve Jenner, has got a lot of valid points. We need to put some hard and fast rules out there. They did it. They said, they gave very specific rules around the thickness of the midsole, what materials you can and can't use. You can use a carbon plate. You just can't use two. I think this was perfect. So you get to keep all the innovation that all these brands were working on. And, you know, what happens a lot in the running shoe industry, Nike is usually the first to technology, to new technology. They have the most money. They have the most backing all their research. So they get there first and every other brand tries to essentially replicate it and do it in their own way. So most brands will have a shoe dropping for the trials and will be available for sale four months before the Olympics. So most brands will have an option out there. That The, the sale rule went into play in spring of 2018. So running shoe companies have known about this for a while now. So like I said, best case scenario for everybody, it allows for innovation. It allows for competition amongst the different brands. Um, and you know, it doesn't allow for these crazy, insane shoes that, you know, Nike, um, was making and maybe giving an unfair advantage to, uh, some of their athletes. But it, the line did draw it, like we said, at the, the vapor flies. So we're seeing a better product. We're seeing advances in technology. We're seeing better shoes. So like you said, it's win-win. We are seeing better shoes, better products, better performances, but there's also a rule that tells you all right, now this is established. We're not going to have some crazy, insane technology-based shoe now. There's a a, a rule in place that's going to prohibit that. I feel like my professor just corrected me in class where you try to participate and add something to the discussion, and then the professor just shuts you down. He's like, actually, this is the truth. And you're like, okay, whatever you say. So I, I, I know, I know a... way too much about this. I hate it. And I'm glad, like Mike said, I never need to talk about it again. But, yeah, Steve... It's, it's... Not enough people, I don't think, actually understand it as well as you do. Because you read these different articles out there, and people are reporting slightly different things. And I don't think it was a timing thing. I think people just didn't know the full rule or when rules went into effect. People were misreporting um, what shoes Kipchoge ran in to break two. Um, there was, like, talk saying he was in the, the, the vapor flies that were not banned. So it is, like, a cloud of, of mystery, I think, around it in general. Yeah. I mean, personally, I, I'm super excited. I mean, I just they just the uh, the the pictures and kind of images of the of the Brooks Hyperion Elite look awesome. In some ways, they're saying it's better, more stable, like better platform shoe. I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna see new companies start rolling out these great products soon, and I think as an idea to another great idea. I, I must say, to continue growing the brand is we keep hearing this sort of prototype. I think we should come up with a prototype. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not saying that we should, like, when I hear the word prototype, I'm not saying we should, like, design a new shoe. I'm just saying, like, I'm I'm picturing, like, duct tape, right? Like, cardboard, just, like, all kinds of crazy crap on these shoes. Put it out there and then have someone running them, get in trouble for running a prototype. <laughs> Next thing you know, where in the news, the P2Es. 
the new Bay 2Es. <laughs> Absolutely. Get them out there. I, the more duct tape, the better. I want there to be so much duct tape that we get over whatever that 44 millimeter rule. Oh man, we just put like <laughs> we put like we put like just random plates in the midsole. Yes. That, that, <laughs> not oh, not man. like the carbon fiber, like actual yeah. like pieces like of plates. plates. Really. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think people are turning off the podcast right now. Yeah, you're right, Trent. They're stuff. turning off the the podcast so they can go try and find where they can buy these new P2E ones. Yeah, sure. right. Right. All right. Moving on to our next piece. Oh, it's been a while since we've done a little one of those. (laughs) Moving on to our next piece of news. It has been announced that the World Indoor Championship is going to be postponed or moved or whatever due to the coronavirus. What do you guys think of this? Dude, this is kind of crazy. I mean, does anyone really care that the World Indoors are not going to take place? Eh, I don't know. But the fact that we are so close to the Olympics and they're moving major championships like this, I don't know. I always figure the Olympics will just go on, right? Remember in Rio a few years ago, everyone was concerned about, you know, the water quality and protests in the streets. And it was like, are, are athletes going to go? Or are they not? You know, everything turned out fine. All the athletes went, um, you know, at least from a spectator point of view. So you always feel like everything is just going to kind of work out. But when they start actually canceling, indoor championships like this that's that's big news like that that's some crazy stuff that's going on and and, you know maybe google the coronavirus and it's you know it's racking up uh deaths everywhere and they're shutting down like different plants over like across the world basically so i don't know man i just hope this doesn't really affect the olympics moving forward see i i think the the fact that we're in an olympic year is what allowed this to happen and not have it be a, a you know more uproar because people weren't really focused on the indoor world championship this year people were focused on the olympics and were kind of training through it i don't know it it just didn't seem like it was getting the hype that it usually does and i think indoor world championships are generally less hyped than the outdoor ones anyways but um so there's that but also like i don't know like I, I, I'm going to sound ignorant here because I know that there's so many logistics and stuff that go into planning an indoor world championship. But like, couldn't we just do it somewhere else? Like, I'm not, I'm not suggesting we send everyone to China right now, but like, couldn't we just do it at a different track? You don't think that there's a track out there that's willing to cancel their high school dual meet so that we can have the indoor world championships there? I don't know. That I mean, Agreed. again, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but that was my first thought. So they wanted to reward, I think it's uh, Najing, China, for all the prep work and everything that they did to kind of get ready for this event, which I can understand and I can respect. But there's a health epidemic. So there's something out of their control. So I'm sorry. Like, we have to do it somewhere else. Maybe we'll give it to you somewhere in the future. So I get that. So instead, they're just they're just not going to do it this year. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. Go move it somewhere else. And I get the I get the fact that this is an Olympic year, so it's not like a travesty that we don't have it. But the fact that it's an Olympic year is going to open it up for so many more athletes to kind of compete on that stage that wouldn't normally have that opportunity. So I think it's a big miss, and I think we're also looking at it through the lens of of uh, of you know uh, the United States and kind of closely following the United States track. I mean, I um, I got the chance to talk to uh, Bethwell Bergen. After the New Balance indoor um, meet, he won the 3K, and we actually – I tried to interview him. Um, really interesting guy to talk to. The the audio, unfortunately, messed up, so we lost that one. Um, but he was talking about – I was asking about what his goals for this year was, and he was – you know, he was saying, you know, hopefully I can make – the the indoor world championships improve myself to earn a spot on Kenya's um, Olympic team and he was looking at the indoor championships as an opportunity to to say that you know he belongs on Kenya's Olympic team and you know the way Kenya's got so many distance runners and they're so deep in so many so many events that an event like that could have gone a long way to having them choose him for, for the Olympics so a guy like that misses out on a huge opportunity to do so um, so I think that this is a this is a big miss for the world of track and field, and um, I think it is a big deal that we're not going to have it this year. And and we we preach all the time like we want people to respect this sport like they would any other sport. How do we, how are we going to expect that if we 
if we can't even respect our sport that much? Like, what other major sport would cancel a world championship? And we talk all about time. Like, there's so many running events that we need the big ones, you know, the Super Bowls, the, you know, the, the major championships to focus on. Indoor world championships is a huge one. You would never see that, just like a, a playoff game or the Super Bowl or Wimbledon or the Masters just, like, canceled for the year. It would It wouldn't happen. So... We need to be better about making sure that stuff doesn't happen in our sport if we want to be taken seriously. Yeah, and we like talked about. Go ahead, Trent. I'd like to hear the organizer explain the the reason why it couldn't be relocated, right? And give a. And, I mean, you could probably just uh, say some BS to to release a statement or whatever, but it'd be it'd be interesting to hear like what the real logistics do look like of relocating it. And I think one thing that we preach a lot on this podcast, it's not necessarily about like what kind of shape you're in or how you're feeling that day or what the elements are. You just got to go through, run through and tough it out. So you tell me that they just, you know, these guys just or, and gals can't run through the coronavirus. I mean, come on, toughen up. See, what, what was the um, the the DM you got? So uh, listener DM'd us. He goes by Chase Distance on Instagram. Great, great Instagram name. Um, but I had posted on a story, World Indoor Track and Field Championship postponed due to coronavirus outbreak. And I just kind of posted a screenshot of, of Sports Illustrated headline, put it on our story. He responded and said, there's no way the coronavirus hit the time standard to qualify anyways. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, just a very, very <laughs> quick, very good response. The one the one thing we're not talking about is the bad rep that Corona is getting. I just want to stay. I stand yeah. by Corona. It's a, uh, it's, it's not right that they have to deal with this. So I stand sure. by Corona. And for the listeners who are very angry at Trent right now, he's taking a sip of his Corona light. But should we be the, the, uh, the pro Corona podcast and just take a huge Corona light stand right now? No, in, I think in the midst big, of all this, I think this is a big win for our, for our uh, hope to be one day sponsor Miller Light. Oh, you know, I mean, better we, yet. We gotta, we gotta take we everything we can get. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So next time, Corona, somebody, somebody Corona goes killing Corona people. Light. Yeah, yeah. It's just killing saying, people. Miller Light does isn't a virus. You yeah, don't need to wear any virus drinking a Miller Light. Corona Light's an epidemic. Yeah. <laughs> um. So moving on to our last piece of running news. So this was uh, reported reported by Sidious Mag earlier this week. It was an interesting story about this runner, Erin Gregoire, and she had qualified or she ran a qualifying time at the Houston Marathon. Um, so she ran uh, 242 in change, but it was chip time. She ran from the B Corral and the gun time put her over the Olympic qual or the Olympic trials qualifying standards. So she put her over 245. And the story is, is that. Her and her coach reached out to race director a couple times to try and get into the elite corral to give her um, a shot with that gun time to make the Olympic standard. So she or the Olympic trial standard. She didn't get in. She couldn't she couldn't get in the elite corral. She was pushed back to the B corral and um, the USATF will not take the chip time standard. They only take the gun time. So she's not allowed into the trials. What do you guys think of this? Yeah, I saw a quote in one of the articles where it basically just said something like, you know, it was like apologetic, but it was like the gap is just too large for us to like to for us to make the argument to have her in. And he's talking about the gap between the chip time and the gun time. It's like, what are you talking about? That's not a good argument. The bigger the gap is, the more of an argument in her favor. Like she got completely screwed over by the fact that she had to wait four minutes to get to the starting line. So it's like, what do you mean the gap was too big? Why are we why are we looking at that at all? And I get that like they want to have it true race times, but can we just be humans at some point too and just be like, yeah, I mean, you ran a 2:42. Clearly, you got screwed over because your gap time between chip and race time was huge. There's nothing you could have done about that, especially the fact that she tried to get into it. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a it's garbage, and I think the excuse is a garbage excuse. Yeah, I'm on the garbage train as well. There's there was an appeals process, right? So she appealed to to see if she could get into the trials, and she was turned down. What's the point of an appeals process if you're not going to accept a case like this? And like you said, Mike, they they quoted something about the the gap. 
It's like now you're just putting rules on the appeals process. The, the point of the appeals process is to use your, your head like a, a human being, look at each situation individually, and then make a determination from there. And I think this one was pretty obvious. She ran 242. Who knows how much faster she would have ran if she was in the A corral. So I, I think it's yeah, I think it's pretty BS that they uh, didn't look at this a little more open-minded. Push away your, your your preconceived rules for the appeals. Let an appeals process be a true appeals process and let her in. Yeah, I mean, a couple things here, right? First, I think that the USATF should just let her in. Give one more entry out, just let her in. But I also understand that their stance is like, where's the line, right? Like, I mean, this is the Olympic nope. trials. Like, you have rules in place to to try and get the best three athletes in the country to the Olympics. So I, I do understand that they want to make it clear it must be gun time and it can't be chip time. So I, I get that. Um, the other thing is, is like, well, if you're having trouble, like if you if you're why are you waiting to Houston? Like, why didn't you pick a race earlier? I mean, it, it, you knew that Houston was going to be the 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 most densely packed of elite athletes of any race in the country. Like, why not try to get in a race before that? So I think that I don't know. Like, I I, I ultimately think she should be led into the trials, but I do I don't think it's as much of a slam dunk as everybody else is making it out to be. Well, I, I get what you're saying, Steve, but like we. The uh, the line you asked, like, at some point, where do you draw the line? I think three to four minute gap between chip and race time. Yeah, that's where you draw the line. Like, there's some examples that are just a little bit too egregious. And waiting till Houston, you don't know, like, what what her training was like coming off injury, coming off. Like, you schedule your whole year off of trying to make this happen, to run this time, to run a performance. So it's like, I don't know. Obviously, it would have been better if she planned it where she had a race where she could be on the start line and get a gun time, but maybe that wasn't feasible. Maybe this was her only option. Maybe she was coming off. Who knows? I don't know, but I think you're right. There does need to be a line, but I think this is at the line. At at minimum, it's at the line. I think think the the line that's in place for most cases does not need to change, right? We don't need to start accepting – you know, certain chip times that are, are this pace and certain other you know times that are this gun times that are other paces, right? Keep the rule what it is, but I think you just need to have a, a more realistic uh, appeals process for when there is a, a unique scenario like this one. I will say, I don't think she tried hard enough to play the politics game to get into the elite corral. Like, I, I mean, I can speak from personal experience where, you know, in my in my younger days when I was running a little bit faster, I would there was a couple times where I tried to get into the elite corral and I got denied like on like more than once. And I just pushed a little bit. I pulled out some of my connections and it wasn't that hard to get into the elite corral. And one of those times was the was the Philadelphia marathon, half marathon. And I believe at the time that was the last race before the trials last olympics um and i i you know i had no shot of making the trials but i pushed a little bit harder and i ended up getting in the lead corral so you know i kind of put a little bit of this on her and her coach like pull out all your connections push a little bit harder get in that elite corral if you think you have any shot of making the trials kind of kind of similar to that the best take i read on a, a forum that was discussing this was that she did not enough to sneak into the a corral yeah. like it's it's on her to figure out what it takes to just jump the security line right and get yourself in it reminded me when we were all in uh new york for the fifth avenue mile and we regretted not like making sure we're in the same heat like the the take was just you know just toughen up and and skip the line or whatever i loved that take yeah actually that that is probably that might change my mind right there i might completely change my stance on this whole thing how bad do you want it? Just kidding. Let her in. I, I, like, like we, we, we obviously talked a lot about this, said a lot of different points, but all three of us are in agreement. USATF, do the right thing. Just I mean, what do you have to in. lose? Let her in. Yeah, what do you have to lose? You stand to gain a little bit of positive press. So just do it. So one final just kind of different discussion related to this about runners being let into the trials. Steve, you made a good point, right? This is 
a race to determine three individuals that will go to the Olympics. There's correct me if I'm wrong here. There's going to be hundreds of people lined up on the starting line of the trials, right? Yes, 400 correct. or something like that. So do we need to? I kind of agree with the point of why are we debating, you know, this particular case when she has no shot probably at going to the Olympics in the first case. Why is there 400 people being allowed to this? Do we need to rethink the standards for even getting to the trials? I feel like it should be more like 100 people maximum, 75. Only put people on there that you think maybe would have a realistic chance. And is that more exciting? You know, if there's 20 people on the line going to the trials? I don't well, know. So that that is an argument that I would listen to. But I think... The reason is, A, you're leaving room for that Cinderella story, right? For a miracle moment where somebody pops a huge race on race day. And also, too, there's a good amount of people who, you know, this race is their Olympics, right? They, they know deep in their heart they're not going to the Olympics. But making the Olympic trials and racing for a chance to go to the Olympics is a big deal on its on its own. So I think... I think you need to keep it a wide enough field um, that keeps that dream alive. But your idea of like putting like a, a limited number of people on the line and like having it be just like a crazy battle and then the stakes for getting on that line are way higher, that has entertainment value on its own too. So there are about 400 people lining up on race day for the Olympic trials. A lot of amazing stories about how they got there. And one of those stories is Lindy Jones our interview for today so let's get into our so we are here with lindy jones she qualified for the olympic trials with a 236 in chicago but what makes this athlete really special is she's part of the air force world-class athletes program lindy welcome to peak too early thank you so much it's an honor to be on so Let's just start off. Tell us a little bit about the uh, the Air Force uh, World Class Athletes Program. What is it, and how did you get part? How did you uh, end up becoming part of it? Yeah, so the Air Force World Class Athlete Program um, allows any athlete um, in any Olympic sport to train full time uh, two years before the Olympics. Um, so these past two years, I've just been running full time, which it's honestly, it's an amazing opportunity, and I'm so happy that the Air Force um, has allowed me to do it. Um, and uh, how I how I uh, became a part of it was um, in st- at Stanford in 2017. Um, I, I ran Olympic trials qualifying time um, for the 2012 Olympics, which was a lot slower than the trial standard now, but um, that's what allowed me to get into the program. So. Um, that was just the standard that the Air Force had at the time. So is is everyone in the program a graduate of the Air Force Academy? Uh, no, not necessarily. Um, some some people um, are enlisted in the Air Force, so yeah, they did not attend the academy. But yeah, you don't have to you don't have to um, have attended the Air Force Academy to be a part of the program. So how does that work? Do you guys have like a, a specific marathon coach through this program? And how many people are you training with? How does that, you know, kind of practice dynamic work? Um, yeah, so it's actually crazy the amount of freedom that we're given. Um, I hope I don't get in trouble with the Air Force. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, we could literally train anywhere in the world we want to and with any coach, any group, like we, yeah, it's free reign. So, um, I was originally training with my coach from the Air Force Academy, um, Ryan Cole, and he's an amazing 10K coach. Um, I decided I wanted to move to the marathon. Um, and Lisa Rainsberger, um, who's just an amazing coach, and her, I don't know, you probably know her daughter, um, Katie Rainsberger. Um, who runs for Washington currently, but um, she has been coaching me uh, since before the Chicago Marathon. So, um, yeah, she lives in Colorado Springs, and we meet up about as far as we can. She's also involved in the American Distance Project, which Coach Scott Simmons, he coaches a lot of the Army uh, WCAP runners as well. So I train with some of them as well. So I hope you don't get in trouble with the – Air Force because of that, but uh, I would <laughs> I, I I would say it would be it would be pretty good publicity for the podcast, you know, some headlines and stuff yeah. like that. So I'm not I'm not rooting for it. I'm just yeah. saying 
Yeah, I know. No, we don't. We don't want anybody to get in trouble. (laughs) So I was just gonna ask: Do do all the branches have a a similar program, or is is the Air Force program pretty unique? Yeah, so it's just Army and Air Force. Uh, Actually, Army has the privilege of um, having. It's a little bit more tough to stay on the program. Um, but if you do make an Olympic team or a world championship team, then you can stay up to however long. I know there's one individual, I can't, I don't know his name, I can't remember his name, but, um, he's been on the program for nine years. So yeah, yeah, it's a pretty lengthy time to be on it, but yeah, the air force only allows two years currently. Can you re-up or is this a one-time thing? No, yeah, you can re-up. Yeah, which is okay. Cool. So you just got <laughs> yeah. you just got to crush it over. Well, maybe you'll take a break, but you crush it, and then you'll be right back yeah. at it for 2024. Yeah, exactly. So. So, I, I want to take you back to your time when you were running for the Air Force Academy on the cross country yeah. team. There, we're we're big cross country guys. That's like uh, our bread and butter. Um, okay. And uh, I was reading that. Your, I think it was your senior year. It was the first time that the Air Force had ever made it to the national championship. So can you just kind of walk us through that? That's a huge deal, and kind of what being part of a team like that, you know, felt like, and you know, put, putting a, a team and a, a, yeah. a school on the map like that. What that was like? Yeah, um, I would say that's definitely like my top running moment is making it to the national championships as a team. And I know it's like you'd rather instead of making it there, like you want to, you know, place well, but it was the first, yeah, it was the first ever Academy team to make it. And I think, yeah, just like our, the group of girls, um, we were just all really close and just like encourage one another. And I mean, of course, like any team, there were setbacks, you know, with some of the top girls, um, during the season and just, yeah, encouraging one another and, um, yeah, just day to day, little things, um, just doing little little things and yeah, it was, I'll never get that team. We call ourselves, um, the American distance team, um, which yeah, was a pretty cool thing as well. So yeah, it was definitely an awesome um, thing to be a part of. And I know this past year, the team uh, placed eighth at national. So it's cool to kind of see the growth that's come, like, even after um, I've left. So, yeah. So Mike mentioned that we're Sorry. we're big cross-country guys. I mean, that's kind of yeah. – that's our favorite part of the sport. If you had to rank the three, if you had to rank cross-country, track, and the marathon, how would you rank them? Oh, um, I would rank marathon, cross country, track. Marathon, cross country, track. Okay, so track's the worst, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it's tough. Even though I, in some ways it's like the easiest, just because it's flat, you know, like it's flat for sure. For sure. So, You're but I mean, yeah, I just. Around in circles. Yeah, I just, I love the roads and. I don't know. Just after Chicago, like it was just such an amazing experience, and I, it's gonna be hard to go back to the track after Chicago. But um, I think I'm gonna give it another go after um, the marathon trials. But yeah, we'll see what happens. So, <laughs> so Linda, you you grew up in an insanely athletic family, right? So I was reading you have yes. your five. Where did you get information? Okay. We, we, yes. We're very well prepared podcasters. Okay, that's amazing. Yes. But you have a sister that went to the Air Force Academy who was a diver, right? And then you yes. have four siblings who also yes. went to one of the military academies, all athletes. So where do you rank in the uh the Jones family of athletes? Oh, so I'm married. So my um I'm hundred percent the most athletic of my family. Love the confidence. No. But yeah, no, 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 but my husband is actually an all-American uh, baseball player. So I would say he is like more of a beast, but um, yeah, I'm trying to get him into 
um, running and all that. But he, yeah, he's into CrossFit now. So, yeah, I my maiden name is Long, so it's the Long family. But yeah, now I'm a Jones. So. Well, I mean, we we love baseball. Baseball is one of our favorite sports. Mike yeah. and I, we're brothers. We grew up playing baseball. If we had oh, to really? rank our top sports, baseball would be number one. But oh, if, if, we're, if we're being honest, baseball is not really a sport. It's a skill, right? <laughs> so how many miles? How many miles could your husband keep up with you for? <laughs> um, probably, I mean, he could definitely beat me in the 200, which is sad because he doesn't, he's just like extremely powerful. And I, um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I think I could definitely beat him in a mile for sure. Okay. So not for long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So if if you thought that Trent had a well-researched question, listen to this one. <laughs> oh so I, I read <laughs> I read somewhere that your uh, favorite post-race indulgence is chocolate oh chip cookies, and oh, I I, I need to get into this a little bit because chocolate chip cookies. It could be a little bit of a lame answer unless it's like a dozen chocolate chip cookies. If you're just eating like one chocolate chip cookie, I don't know. So how many chocolate chip cookies are you raking in after like a post-marathon, like after <laughs> Chicago? <laughs> um, To be honest, after Chicago, I didn't even – we got some like deep dish. It honestly varies on the city. Okay. But um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even have a – a chocolate chip cookie after Chicago, which is really sad. But um, I mean, I could go as far as six or seven. All right. Uh, if you haven't had Chick Fil A's chocolate chip cookie, though, you're really Chick Fil A. You yeah. right I've never Hit even it up ASAP. <laughs> That's a very well kept secret. I'm gonna have to have some cookies from Chick Fil A. Yes, you are. Yes, and they warm them too for the gift. All right, now back to a serious question. Mike okay. usually likes to throw it off the rails, but you're you're <laughs> lining up you're you're lining up on on the starting line with some of yes. the best athletes in the world. Um, what are your expectations for yourself on race day down at the trials? Yeah. Um, so I know, I know the the course is going to be super hilly and it's probably going to be pretty humid. Um, obviously there's so much stack talent, um, in the race and I haven't to be honest, like I don't have a concrete goal now, really right now I'm just focused on continuing to gain the little bit of fitness I can between now and the trials. Um, but, um, I would say just go out there and compete and, um, just do the best I can and like, and not get complacent and just keep picking girls off, uh, one by one and not be reckless because I know like a lot of people are probably going to get like too excited. So when the trials, you know, um, but yeah, just go out and run the best I can. And yeah, that's really all I can do. So one advantage you'll have, you're from Atlanta, right? Or right outside yeah. the city? Yeah. So it's actually a funny story. I, um, after college, I, so I never made it to an NCAA, um, championships. I, I made it to the regional level, but, um, yeah, it was my senior season and I didn't make it again. And it was just so just disappointing. I was like, I never want to run another step in my life. Like I, I hate this. Um, and so I was um, stationed in Washington, Tacoma, Washington. And um, if you've ever been to Washington, um, there's some like pretty amazing trails, um, especially in Tacoma. Um, and I found myself like running still, like, I don't even know, I don't know how it happened. Cause I was just so like over it, but, um, I just told myself I would never like be competitive again, but I would just kind of like run for fun. And even though like in my heart, I knew like I was going to get back there into the, <laughs> into the zone. Um, but I remember like the day that I, I pulled up. Google, I opened a uh, Word document and I like started writing like 
life, the title of, <laughs> it's so dramatic, but the title of the, um, the article that I was writing, I don't know like where I was going to publish it, but just like for myself, I guess. Um, the title of it was uh, Life After Running. And I was just like spilling my heart out. And then all of a sudden I see this like article, I think I was on Facebook and I saw um, an article that it was like Atlanta will host the 2020 Olympic trials for the marathon. And like, right after I saw that, I was just like, I just felt a calling, like I have to do it. Um, and I was so out of shape at the time, but I mean, that was, that was the summer of 2017. So, I mean, I knew I had some time, but, um, yeah, after I saw I was being hosted in Atlanta, I just, I felt like, yeah, that was definitely a sign for me to do it. Cause I'd always wanted to run a marathon and, um, I just, yeah. So that was, wow. That was pretty damn inspiring. I'm ready. I'm ready to like lace up the shoes right I now. Know. I need to go hit the treadmill. I'm coming out oh of retirement. I, that just got me fired up. What a cool story. That is amazing. That's very cool. So going back to the trials coming up. Yes. How how big of a of a deal is it for you to be, you know, competing for a, a chance to make the United States Olympic team wearing a US Air Force jersey? Like I don't know. Everyone, I'm sure, has a lot of connection to be trying to make that team. But to me, that just seems yeah. like such a cool connection. And, the you know, the symbolism of it is, is, a, is a pretty powerful thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say, yeah, I mean, I, I love not to be super hua, but like I love just being a part of the Air Force. And um, I mean, it really is being a part of something like greater than myself. It's kind of. Um, like, I don't know, in Chicago, in the Chicago Marathon, um, I had, like, you could see U.S. Air Force above my bib, and I just remember, like, whenever I would just be at a low point in the race, like, someone would say, like, go Air Force, and that would just be, like, the greatest thing, like, I just, like, gave me so much energy I don't know when someone would say that. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a huge honor to represent the Air Force. And uh, um, I don't know, like, I'm I'm so grateful that they've given me this opportunity to even compete for them in the first place. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a ton yeah. of fun talking to you. Um, it's been a great conversation. We learned a lot of really cool things about you. But we had every single interview with a quick game. So, Mike. <laughs> Why don't you kick off down the home stretch? All right. Yeah, the name of the game is down the home stretch. Basically, we're going to rapid fire questions at you here. Specific oh, topic. Okay. You're, uh, you know, <clears throat> being in the Air Force, your topic is is flying. So Trent's going to hit you with your first question about flying. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> we consider you an expert flyer. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll start off with some very pressing, important ones. Aisle seat or window seat? Oh my gosh, it's not even a question. Aisle seat, so you can right answer. walk around and go to the bathroom. Yeah, I feel like you tell a lot about a person from that answer. Oh, but the safest place in the plane is definitely the back. So if the plane goes down, oh. you're most likely to survive in the back. Just okay. Know. Well, that was to my next <laughs> question. Back aisle. <laughs> my next question. If something were to happen, God forbid, if something were to happen to the pilot on a flight that you were on, could you land the plane? I mean, if there were no other pilots on board, I would 100% go up there. Like, I'll be honest, I took a powered flight, and it was rapid fire, but I don't know if you want, like, the backstory. Oh, oh, <laughs> okay. Um, I took, um, I took, so if you want to, if you want to fly in the Air Force, you have to take a program called Power Flight, and you, um, you fly airplanes basically in Colorado Springs and yeah I, it was just a tear I was terrible so like and the wind is so bad in Colorado Springs that like I went in for landing and I'm like going sideways and like I was I was nervous about the life of my passenger <laughs> and myself but yes it's a good thing that I'm not a pilot but my husband is a pilot so he gets the cool points for that, so. all right well I hope he's I hope he's the one on my plane if the, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, right. Yeah. 
All right, so I'm scared of flying. Uh, do you have okay. any advice for me? Yeah, um, so flying is actually safer than driving. So um, Superman actually said that. But, and Dumb um, and Dumber. What did you say? <laughs> and Dumb and Dumber. Oh, and Dumb and Dumber. Uh, but it actually, it really is safer than driving. And um, there's always, if something goes wrong in the airplane, there's always a backup to the backup. And yeah, so. All right. All right. I feel better already. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it looks like we, we lost Trent. So I'm next. Yeah, What's so, your favorite airline? Oh my gosh. Um, definitely Delta. All right. Sure. All right. Yeah. I like it. Mike, right. hit her with the last question. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> flying doesn't make sense. Like, you don't explain the science to me. Is flying okay. magic? <laughs> I would say no. But I, nah, I it think does that seem is. pretty, pretty amazing that you can uh, drink a cup of coffee at thirty thousand feet. So. That's true. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a ton of fun. We're gonna be in Atlanta, so we're gonna be cheering you on, and having a good time down there. So, yeah, okay. awesome. Thank you so much. So that interview with Lindy Jones was brought to you by the Irish Clover 5 Mile in Drakeit, Massachusetts on March 8th. We are about a month away from this race. It is going to be a great time. We're going to have a, a DJ. The beers are going to be flowing, um, some food, and an awesome race. Like It's, it's just going to be a fun time. Sign up today. Um, the winner of the male and female race gets, gets $250 cash prize. We're going to be there having a good time. You know, if uh, if you show up wearing a Stop P2E shirt, we might interview you for the podcast. Um, so we'll see you out there. Steve, I cannot remember the last time I showed up to a local 5K or 5-miler or whatever and had to $250 on the line. Oh, that you, just you don't happen. see cash prizes like that. No, it's either, it's either like, you know, something smaller. Rarely is it over 100 or it's or it's professional status, like several thousand dollars. There's like no middle ground. So you show up, you win, you get a nice chunk of change, you get a nice party. So come on out. It's going to be a good time. Talk about talk about a race to talk some shit in, right? Our oh, idea yeah. about the calling. Let's get let's get some people calling in and talking smack that. for this thing. And and, and we're I gonna start it right there. We're going to start it for that race. We're going to we're going to start working on this idea as soon as we're done recording today. And I would say that if you're the winner and you win the two hundred fifty dollars, the beers are on you. But I think the beers are on. Well, beers the, are beers, on the beers are on us because you get your beer free. Yeah. So show up. It's going to be a good time. So one of the reasons we started this podcast is we want to obviously want to talk run culture, but we want to apply run culture to other sports. And one of the sports or one of the events that takes a little bit of run culture and applies it to their event is the Waste Management Open golf tournament in phoenix arizona the weekend of the super bowl every single year there's a couple there's a couple aspects of running that go into this golf tournament mike do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about this yeah so i actually wrote an article that never made it to the website um but it is the the premise of it was that the waste management open in phoenix arizona reminds us of how pure and beautiful the sport of running can be because it takes it out of context it takes stopwatches out of here it takes uh you know uniforms and numbers and line you know getting on the starting line completely out of it and we see in two different cases the first one is so hole 16 is like this awesome hole that's just a party the entire day it's the coolest one of the coolest things in like in, happy gilmore golf yeah, it's a, it's one of the coolest things in sports, let alone just golf. So you have these massive stands. So this is where everyone wants to be because, you know, all the golfers, too, do, like, cool things. They put on – they're wearing Kobe jerseys um, this past weekend, and they throw stuff into the stands, and they just interact with the crowd. It's amazing. So everyone wants to be there. So people get there at, like, 2 a.m. They camp outside of, like, the entrance gate, and then it's literally just a all-out sprint to hole 16 so that's what i'm saying like how pure this is like it's like you're not worried about pring you're, you're just worried about 
beating the guy next to you so you get an awesome seat at hole 16. And I think and it's like they, 800 meters. I think it's like a decent Yeah, decent I mean, run. people are bombing through. And like I said, they've been sitting there for like five hours since two in the morning. And then they get there at like seven, the gates open, and the golf doesn't start for another like four hours. So these are dedicated. They just drink and party the whole yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> they just party for four hours. I mean, it's crazy. And then the other one. So unfortunately, the PGA decided they were going to ruin this aspect of it. Yeah. But back in the day, they used to have. Like last year. Yeah, they used to – I think it was a few years ago, but still, caddies used to just start racing each other. So as soon as the last shot was hit on hole 16, the caddies would just start bombing down the fairway. It was an all-out sprint. You get to, like, close to the green, they start dropping their bags, they start sprinting. You see people, like, full-out Superman diving to the green, and it's like people would sit in the stands and, like, bet their buddies on which caddy would go – and it's just – Again, how pure the sport of running can be, right? These don't need to be professional athletes. They don't need to be, like, crazy fast or do anything special. But it's, like, something so utterly entertaining about just three fat, out-of-shape, semi-pro golfers just bombing down the fairway just for <laughs> just for no reason whatsoever. I mean, it is a beautiful thing. And in some ways, it's, like... Was the waste management open doing our sport better than us in a lot of ways? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was yeah. highly entertaining. So it's just a wonderful thing. Mike, publish that damn blog. Yeah, I want to read it. Well, you just read it. Not I just, I just, I just pretty much narrated the entire thing. Well, if Mike doesn't publish the blog and you're unfamiliar with the waste management open, do what I did today. Spend about two hours on Twitter. <laughs> just go, I don't even go on Twitter, but go on Twitter. Google, or I guess you don't Google on Twitter, but Twitter, <laughs> waste management. I don't know. Search waste management and just go through the videos. You can see the videos of the the absolute mob just getting ready to go. People are decked out in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle t-shirts and where's Waldo and you know a bunch of Mahomes jerseys and Garoppolo and Kelsey jerseys for the, the Super Bowl, of course, a lot of Kobe out there. And then you just, you keep going and it's, it's just absolute madness. There's talk about the 16th hole. There's like a woman just flashing like the golfers while they're trying <laughs> to, to hit their putts. It's absolutely insane. So you'll have a fun time. Just go through the Twitter for waste management. We're already looking at packages to, to go next year to fly out there and go to it. I mean, I think we're going to line up in our, in our singlets and split shorts as the, as those gates open. Um, but Hey, I did see, I think, I think uh, our boy Craig Ingalls was there on Saturday. So, you know, not if you're if you're lining up to try and get a seat on the 16th hole, you don't want to look next to you and see no, no, no. Craig Engels, you know, because there's no way you're beating him to the seat. Yeah, absolutely not. And uh, so, Steve, I think my biggest race on my 21 2021 calendar moving forward is going to be the race to 16. I want the peak two E boys <laughs> to finish first. I want us to be the first ones to hole 16. I'm going to be camping out at 2 a.m., racing all these schmucks. I'm going to be in my stop, P2E singlet. It's going to be great. And so we wanted to end today's podcast and talk a little bit about the Wanamaker Mile. It's going to be on this Saturday at, I think it's right around 5.50 New York time. Um, but it looks like we got a couple of uh, friends of the program running. Um, the latest start list, there's been a couple start lists that have gone out. Um, but the latest one says, let's see, we got our guy, uh, Robert Domanic, Ollie Hoare. Uh, who else do we got on here? Um, kind of Jordy Beamish. <laughs> kind of Jordy Beamish. Kind of Nick Willis. Um, we got uh, Flip Ingerbritz is in there. Flip, my boy Flip. <laughs> <laughs> but like we, we talked about it before on this podcast. This is one of the coolest events in the sport in indoor track is, is the Wanamaker Mile. So we want to build a little excitement and hype around it. Um, so what we're going to do is I think we'll put out the the final or the, the start list that is available on Friday. We'll put it out on our Instagram. DM us your, men, your male and female winner of the Wanamaker Mile and also include your predicted finish times for those runners. And the the um, the the person who guesses the the correct winner and is the closest finish time will get a stop P two E T shirt on us. So we'll mail that out. Um, also, Sinclair Johnson forgot to mention that she's of on course. the she's on the women's side. Um, what do you guys think about that? Are you pumped for the for the Wanamaker Mile? 
I am so pumped. I'm so pumped for the Friends of the Program. They're going to be into it. Uh, I wish it was on ESPN or some, uh, you know, free streaming network, but you're going to have to go to, what is it, NBC Gold or whatever to watch it. Or you could just show up at the meet and watch it there, too. That'd be cool. It's just we're getting getting overwhelmed with all these awesome events now. We we talked about back in December. It was kind of a slow period. I feel like I've been super focused on the marathon. A lot of our guests have been these marathoners. Then you get to sprinkle in these these wonderful you know indoor track meets during our, our marathon prep time, and it's just it's just great. It's, this is a exciting time to be a track and field fan. Yeah, and and back to one of our original conversations. If you're going to invest in one platform to watch track and field, marathoning, that sort of thing, NBC Gold is probably the way to go. I mean, there's USA uh, T- USA TF TV. Uh, Flow track is, is is pretty good. I mean, they there we had a lot of uh comments about their cross country cross country coverage this uh this past fall but nbc gold's pretty good you get a lot and you get most of the the important races there so um might be worth the investment on that guys why don't we kick off the bell lap mike what do you got people in the bell so for my bell lap this week steve i just want to shout out how cool it was seeing all of the stop p2e shirts on social media this week, people were sending us pictures of them wearing it, of them receiving it. We had, you know, some friends of the program. My boy Chris Robertson was was repping his uh, Stop P2E shirt. So just super cool. Let's keep it going. Get on the website. Buy your shirt. And uh, I, I am dying to see a finish line picture of someone wearing a Stop P2E oh, yeah. shirt. That's what I need to see next. I need to see somebody throwing up their sav signal right here. Coming across the line, breaking the tape, wearing stop P2E. So let me get that on my – someone send that to my Instagram ASAP. Trent, what do you got for people on the Bell app? I want to give a big shout-out to my computer for not crashing, I think. Yeah, <laughs> We've had some one. of my complaining in the uh, the end of the episodes recently. So big shout-out to the computer for not crashing. I also want to admit to you guys that – I watched a total of probably 45 seconds from uh, that football game that played, you know, last weekend, and I have no regrets. I feel great about it. You know, it was on in the background, but I just had better things to do than watch it, and it was a really like uh, just a cleansing, fulfilling moment for me to not get, you know, sucked down by uh, feelings of disappointment and sadness for other teams that were not playing in the Super Bowl. So I'd recommend it if if your favorite team doesn't play in it, just Play a game of risk. That's what I did. It was great. <laughs> Talked about it at the top of the show, but I'm going to say it one more time. Joe ran. Don't poke the bear. Don't poke the bear. <laughs> I have, I'm like, I'm like Rocky with the picture of Ivan Drago in the mirror. Next time you want to race, I'm going to be staring at that picture. And I'm just going to crumple it up. And I'm going to throw it in the trash, just like I did on the race on this past Sunday. But other than that, guys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Joes. Josie's on a vacation far away Come around and talk it over There's so many things that I wanna say You know I like my cousin a little bit older I just wanna use your love tonight I don't wanna lose your love
Trent. Whenever, sometimes I can seem fine, Mike, and you request the talk. You never make your that clear. All right, let's start with we'll start with the uh, alpha flies. Oh yes, let's do it. Hello. Hello. Hey, can you hear us? All right. Hey, yes, I can. Uh, thank you so much for making some time to uh, to chat with us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's an honor. Thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. Um, That's the can... biggest compliment we've ever gotten. Right there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So Bill Ling just texted me. He's like, "Hey, he's like, is there any is there any good uh, Tom Brady documented documentaries out there?" What kind of question is that? And I was just like, I was like, the only documentary you ever need. The Brady Six. Yeah, buddy. As soon as you are able, woman, I am willing to take the break that we are on the brink of. My cup is on the table. I love a